Psychology edition again today. Haven't done these in a while. It's been a good while, actually. I don't even remember the last one that I did, and I haven't gone back to look. But today, however, I have a guest that I've had on before. I have Mr. Joe uh, Dayton. Mr. Joe, how are you today? Yeah, doing well, Gene. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, like I said, haven't had you on in a while. But I thought we what we would do is, for this edition, go back through, continue our study into basically what we titled the Bible. Um, first, man, I looked at the, I actually did a review of the episode last week, I think it was. And I think that we did it maybe, wow, possibly a year ago, something mm-hmm. like that, that we went through it. Yeah, at least a year ago, yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, so the first episode, I believe, we just sort of did an overview, sort of a 50,000-foot flyby overview. And then we went on the second episode, we decided to go through – we only got as far as just kind of going going over what different books mean or what I guess we would categorize them as and um the basically the torah is what we got to <laughs> so the beginning basically mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. which we also um this which i also decided um torah 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 is not the correct spelling for the, <laughs> the torah yeah that's a different thing and uh and you also use i always forget this word pentateuch is that correct yeah pentateuch well that just means five you know, Pentagon, ah, Pentateuch, yeah, Pentateuch, okay, yeah, five books. Is that um, Greek or Hebrew um, oriented? I mean, um... yeah, that might be just Latin. Okay. Uh, but, gotcha. Uh, okay. Um, oh, and before I get started, I don't know if we mentioned in the previous one. Um, since we're looking at the Old Testament, what? Um, I know the Catholic Church has a different um, set, not different set, but they have additional books to our, what we call the Protestant Old Testament Mm -hmm. book. Um, Do you know what books they have in addition to, and why do we not have those books in our Old Testament? So, well, I'll start with why we don't have those books, because those books uh, were not used for worship uh, purposes either by the Old Testament um, Jewish people, God's people, Old Testament Church, or or the New Testament Church. Um, so you know what makes a book of the Bible. First of all, it, you know it needs to be written by um, either a prophet or someone who's appointed by God. Uh, apostle um you know and then secondly uh used in the in the early church or in the old testament church uh with the roman catholic um some of those books are called the apocrypha and uh they're interesting books but they're not scripture Mm -hmm. um, because well they weren't written by prophets or apostles and they were also not uh also not used in the 
uh, worship. They weren't preached from. Let's just say that. Oh, e- even within the Catholic Church historically. I mean, possibly within the Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church is not big on preaching per se. They're more a focus on the mass. Um, the The preaching is secondary to the mass versus the Protestant. Uh, for instance, in our church, the the pulpit is center, mm-hmm. uh, higher uh, than the um, table. Um, the communion table. So, Right, communion table. Right. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's the basic difference. Yeah, interesting. Okay, the apocrypha. I could not remember the name of that. The um, the word. Is it? Um, have you read any of that stuff before? Yeah, I mean it's um, it's not it interesting bad reading. To read. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, historical uh, reading. Um, it's not necessarily false. But it's it, it's like kind of like other historical books, um, mm-hmm. just not scripture. Okay, that's Very that's opposed to that's opposed to something like the Gnostic Gospels, which I wouldn't say that the Catholic Church or any church uses, like mm-hmm. the Gospel of Thomas or something like that, which would not be historical nor scripture. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I think I've heard of that Thomas um, gospel. Is this sort of is it a debatable gospel? Like they're not even sure what the origins or um, what the deal is with it. No, it's not debatable. I mean, it was written in the second century, uh, you know, and if if and not by not by the uh, apostle Thomas. Ah, so because the apostle Thomas was dead by then, (laughs) so it's pretty pretty verifiable. Um. And also, there's just wonky things in there, like something like Jesus becomes something along the lines of what we can understand, like like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man after he is resurrected. You know, like he's this giant. Interesting. Jesus. So it's like, oh, there's something a little, a little off. Things that about. don't line up with, I, um, right. you know, historical Christian scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Or even Jewish scripture, for that matter. Um, I got you. All right. Um, or Hebrew scripture. Um, so <clears throat> I think that's pretty cool to think about. And, you know, because I'm sure some Catholics might be listening and they're like, they may, they may not even be aware of the Apocrypha or, you know, we're wondering why it wasn't in our Protestant Bible, you know. Was, was that decided? Well, I mean, um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say, was the was it decided to take that out like um, uh, pre like um, ro- um, romantic era, like you know pre um, Renaissance era? Yeah, so that the books that were confirmed to be scripture, thirty nine Old Testament, those are easy to be confirmed because they were in use for you know for at least four or five hundred years before Christ, but then the twenty seven. Uh, New Testament books. Um, what makes a uh, what makes a New Testament book a book of the Bible? Well, uh, again, if it's written by an apostle and it is uh, used in the in the worship service, <clears throat> but that was agreed upon in the in the fourth century Constantine uh, that council. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Constantine's an interesting character. I mean, he's way ahead of where we are, but just his whole um, what he did for the church and the direction of the church to me is a fascinating study in itself. Mm-hmm. Even even though it was like you know many many years ago. <laughs> um, yeah. So okay, so we got the um, the Torah down. What do we call? Um, all right, well, okay. Let's see. I'm going to read these out. Joshua, mm-hmm. Judges, Ruth, First, Second Samuel, First, Second King, First, uh, Second Chronicles, uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, mm-hmm. not Job, uh, and then yep. you get to the Psalms. That whole section of Joshua to Job has its own name, correct? Yeah, those would be historical books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, well, Job, Job counts. Once you get to Job, that would be a, a poetic book. Okay. Um, although it's also historical. But the, the previous books are his, historical books. And it's pretty easy to, once you read, you know, through something like per Samuel, it's kind of a blow-by-blow uh, blow eyewitness account of what happened. Uh, you know, where Samuel is a little boy and he's called by called by God as or actually it starts with his mother and uh yeah just a rundown of what happened Ah. historical books yeah okay so historical books and you said job is sort of a hybrid of sorts um historical and um Um, well job would get into the category of poetry okay be poetic and would we consider the psalms and proverbs and ecclesiastes and song of songs poetic Yes. Yeah, those would be the rest of the poetry. Okay, and then after that, we've got Isaiah, <laughs> Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, um, Obadiah, Jonah, Mike, Micah, excuse me, uh, Nahum, Habakkuk, uh, Zephaniah, mm-hmm. Zephaniah um, Haggai, Zechariah and Malachi, and those have another name as well, right? Yeah, so those are the major prophets, which would be Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, um, and they're called major prophets because they're bigger books than than uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. Those are the minor prophets. For instance, like Obadiah's uh, one chapter, if I recall. Oh, so those uh, Jonah's four four chapters. So they're just smaller books. They're not uh, of minor importance. They're just ah. shorter. <laughs> this is not their so station they, of life. This is their <laughs> uh, yeah. Versus like something like Isaiah would be sixty six chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Micah would be five chapters. I, I can see that being a point of confusion for a younger person. That's okay. Major, minor. Does that mean that he was a major prophet and the other guy was just sort of a lesser prophet? <laughs> yeah, it can come off that way, sound that way, but but uh, just a little definition and um, it's it's a bigger book than than the other one. Bigger books and smaller books, you could call them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or major prophets and minor prophets. Okay, yeah. Well, you know, I say that because I had that confusion for a while. You know, when I was. And I was like, oh, major minor prophets. Um, I, I've mentioned before on here, but I was not a Sunday school kid. Well, I did go to Sunday school occasionally, but um, I know I was not the Sunday school kid that 
did all the songs every week for years at a time. I mean, I just did Sundays. It was almost like a popcorn experience for me. And as an adult, even to this day, even though I've been a Christian since a teenager, going through the Old Testament, if I'm being crystal clear, is like drudgery of some sorts. It's like trying to get, it's like trying to go out there and um, just, you know, clear a large field in some ways. It's just going out there, getting in there and just trying to, to sort through what things mean and, and why they mean it and how they relate. Because the New Testament, not that it's flashier or shinier or easier, I'm just m- much more well, well aware and knowledgeable of the New Testament. And that's why I want to go through this, because going through the Old Testament, as you've said in many of your sermons, as well as um, Pastor um, Johnson that I've had on here as well, that Old Testament, New Testament so often coincide and, and just relate to each other so so much more than people realize and jesus um was its biggest advocate i would i would maybe argue <laughs> of, of the yeah. fact that we need to know it yeah it was the most interesting thing to me lately and perhaps i've mentioned this on other episodes or somewhere else is when jesus is resurrected in um luke 24 on the emmaus road and uh some uh, guys are walking with him and they don't recognize him, which is a whole nother story. But but uh, uh, he's, he opens up the scriptures to them, which is, well, that's the Old Testament from the uh, uh, Psalms and and, uh, and the books of uh, the Torah. So that's what that's the evidence that he shows. Of his resurrection. Um, over and against almost his own self who's <laughs> speaking to them that the old testament uh stands um as more evidence of his resurrection almost than his own body uh, in front of them <clears throat> and they didn't really understand what he was saying and who uh who they were talking to and until he opened up to them the scriptures mm-hmm. um, oh wow yeah so. well you know i imagine non-christians people that are new christians with no biblical background um understanding um and even you know seasoned believers i would imagine a lot of them forget or don't even think about it. i didn't think about it when i was 20 years old that much when Jesus was alive, when he was in the room of the disciples, it wasn't like um, there was someone transcribing the events right there. <laughs> All they had was the old. Right. That was their scripture. The Old Testament was there. That when Jesus went into the synagogues preaching, he was not preaching out of Timothy or Luke. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, when he first starts his ministry, he he uh, preaches from Isaiah. Um, I think that's uh, Luke chapter four. Um, and, uh, and he says the scripture has been fulfilled in your, uh, before you today. And and people are like, what, (laughs) you know, we've been reading this for 700 years and you're telling us it's, it's, it's about you. Right. (laughs) Um, And and so then they try to throw them off a cliff. Uh, So, yeah, but that, but it's just a interesting point to me that, you know, it kind of blew my mind when I first came to that realization, you know, that. Okay, this like for instance, um, Mark. Any of the Gospels, Mark, Matthew, John, they're um, they were written post 
um, resurrection. Mm. You know, they weren't written. Mm. I mean, they're eyewitness accounts, and you, it's almost, you, to me, you almost feel like you are there as seeing it transcribed as it happens because there's done so well. But, um, you know, d- um, John, for example, he did not refer to, um, go take a look at Mark's letter. You won't find that in the, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're, their Bible, for lack of a better term, is the old scripture that the Jewish nation had been reading for centuries. Yeah, I mean, you can see that uh, the beginning of John where he says, in the beginning. Okay, that's a reflection of Genesis 1, in the beginning. Uh, and, and Mark does the same thing, the beginning of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And um, that they're both reflecting um, yeah. the beginning of, of, of the Old Testament. I guess that's a good reminder preaching to the choir that how important the Old Testament is. If it was important to Jesus and his disciples, it needs to be more important to me to dig in there and get at it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's helpful in understanding. Well, what is this all about? It's not just a bunch of stories that are collected to just say, oh, well, people back then believed in God, too. Uh, no, it's it's really there to say, no, we believe in the same God mm-hmm. and the same God is doing saving people in the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, although the Old Testament was looking forward and the New Testament looks back. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's the same God. Who, who wrote, right. OK, so why don't we do this then? Why don't we do a rundown here um, and I'll let you drive um, as far as. Um, we're starting, like you said, the um, the history books. And again, everybody, these are book. Each one of these are individual books. We're not looking at chapters of the Old Testament. These are, although it kind of comes across that way as chapters when you're or big units, if you will. But they're basically these are individual books. Um, so I guess Joe, if you want to, you can highlight, go into as little or as much detail as you want to, all the way down to Esther, and just kind of give us, you know, general synopsis as we go. And maybe I'll. Maybe I'll jump in to ask questions about it as we go. So so where are we starting from? I guess from the beginning of Joshua, you know, just kind of go through um, oh, the see. history okay. books. Since we've yeah, already covered I mean, the well, Torah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, well, Joshua, he's he's basically uh, Moses' successor, right? And, and so they're coming out of, they've come out of Egypt, and then they've come out of the 40 years of, of wandering. Um, and then they finally come into the promised land. I mean, the sad thing is that Moses never enters the promised land um, because he struck the rock instead of spoke to it, which tells us how mm. high of a standard God has um, for us and, and specifically for Moses. But uh, so Joshua uh, comes in and, and Caleb. And uh, so they, they come into the, the promised land and the land of Canaan, land flowing with milk and honey. And uh, and the Lord tells them to not be afraid because there's um, uh, bigger men. Uh, I think Joshua says we look like grasshoppers in their sight, which really, <laughs> that's kind of a funny phrase. Um, uh, what he's referring to is that they were smaller. They were physically inferior uh, to the Canaanites, uh, and yet they were able to defeat the Canaanites and, and uh, take over their land. Um, and then in Judges, uh, which pre uh, predecesses the, uh, the king uh, or, or um, you know, Saul, David, Solomon, um, Israel, and 
the, the reign of the kings. So judges, the Lord appoints um, judges to rule over Israel. Um, uh, so in, in a sense, kind of like, well, the 12 tribes were over, over Israel, except they're uh, individual judges. Uh, interesting that there's a there's a woman judge, Deborah, um, in there. And that's that's actually um, the Lord gives a woman judge there to uh, actually punish uh, Israel for their lack of a male leadership. Um, oh, wow. OK. At the time. Uh, not not in terms of the priesthood or or uh, anything like that, but in terms of the ruling over. Um, so and then you you get into Ruth, and Ruth is more of a localized story mm-hmm. uh, to Be- Bethlehem. Um, I did a lot of study in Ruth in my in seminary, and. Uh, the the story of Ruth starts out with a famine, a famine in the land. And uh, um, the interesting thing about the famine in the land and the and they are in Bethlehem is Bethlehem means the house of bread. So there's mm. the irony of we live in the house of bread, but we have no bread. Right. <laughs> and um, and so we're calling out to the Lord for help. And they're they're pretty destitute where they're down to Ruth and Naomi and. Both of their husbands died, uh, or and Ruth and um, Orpah. Orpah goes home. Orpah represents the, pe- the people who don't persevere, and Ruth uh, represents uh, God's people who do persevere despite uh, against all odds, and um, clings to to her mother, and um, and then eventually she is uh, King David's great grandmother. Mm. Um, wow. Even oh, though she's I... she's a uh, well, even though she's a foreigner, she's a Moabite. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, what was um, what was Bruce's background again? Was she a, an orphan of sorts? Yeah, I couldn't remember. Well, she was a Moabite. Okay, and uh, which they were the enemies of God, and um, uh, she married a, an Israelite, which um, a Jew was not to marry a foreigner. So that that uh, that was the state of Israel in the time of judges, where they were not following God's law. They were mm-hmm. uh, rebelling. They were saying we're going to take foreign wives, and um, and then despite that, Ruth Ruth is the one who comes out as the faithful one, while her husband and her sister-in-law's husband they both die, and then their father-in-law dies as well. Uh, hmm. pre- presumably because of God's judgment. And uh, so God, you know, even though they're in the time of judges, God is still the real judge. And um, mm-hmm. th- that's the irony where, where God's, he's giving them judges, except he's, he's the one true judge. Um, okay. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, this, so Ruth does take place under the umbrella of the time period of judges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Ruth is like one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's it's short, short enough to to get through in a in a few minutes, really. Um, 
turn to it. Yeah. So you get past judges. Judges is also like a really brutal book. If you read mm-hmm. through it, there's um, cutting off the thumbs and toes of people. And uh, there's one episode of judgment going on there. huh? <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of judgment, a lot of um, just chaos going on in, in judges, but yeah. Uh, and Ruth, uh, the first chapter in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab and his wife and his two sons. So on the surface of things, you were like, okay, this is, but if you read into that, okay, you're in the judges, there's a famine, uh, a man of Bethlehem where, um, eventually Jesus is born. Mm-hmm. That's where he should have, he should have stayed there. Uh, but he, you know, there was a famine, so he had to go somewhere. So they come to Moab, and then they sin further and marry these foreign wives. So, mm. um, you know, and and the uh, the irony, uh, the man is named Elimelech, which means uh, my father is king, in, in Hebrew. And uh, well, his father is not king because he's at least king over his life because he's sinning uh, and letting his sons um, marry Moabite wives. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a rough beginning to, to uh, the family tree of King David there. Mm -hmm. So, but then, uh, you know, get into first Samuel and uh, first Samuel is a, is a, fun book you can read it to your children i'm reading it actually to ruby my daughter right now and and it's a, a memorable book where uh, you know, uh hannah it starts off um hannah is uh samuel's mother and she's a barren woman and and she's praying but she's she's praying not out loud she's just moving her lips and and uh and uh Eli, the, the the priest, he thinks she's drunk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Why are you drinking so early in the morning?" And she's like, "No, I'm not drunk. I'm I'm praying for my for a baby." And then that baby eventually is Samuel. So there's there's fun little uh, funny stories, and you could you could you could tell like how sinful Israel was at the time where someone is praying. And instead of thinking that they're praying, he thinks she's drunk. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting so. you say that because, um, for the people that don't, don't know, um, there was a lot of rebellion and uh, I guess, um, forgetting if you will, or just not, appreciating or um acknowledging god during that time of israel right yeah i mean there was a turning away from uh god's law and um you know even even if it's not explicitly stated you have things like that episode where what's the more likely scenario that she's drunk or that she's praying Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he's he thinks she's drunk like like just like everybody else i guess so but out of that comes comes samuel who's um a prophet and uh and hannah makes the uh bargain if you will with god that if you give me a son i will i will give him back to you 
uh, as a priest um, and as a prophet. And uh, so that's that's what she does. And and then eventually uh, Samuel grows up and, and God appoints uh, the people ask for a king. Uh, why do they ask for a king so that they can be like every other nation? Mm. And God says, no, I'm your king. And they're like, no, we want a king. And mm. uh, we, we don't we don't trust you as our king, in, in, so to speak. Wait, so, and, uh, uh, yeah. so so God speaks with the people and they speak back to him. That's what you're saying. Well, through Samuel. Through Samuel. Samuel. Prophet, okay, so right. Samuel has become yeah. a prophet, and he's speaking sort of like, I guess, Moses in a way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he represents a Moses-type figure where yeah. um, he speaks to God on, on behalf of the people, and he speaks to, like, to Samuel. And and uh, and also you have uh, the Ark of the Covenant here, which all, goes all the way back to um, the, the, the Israelites in the, in the desert. Okay. And uh, the part of the judgment is that the Ark of the Covenant is, is captured by the Philistines, um, who eventually have this guy named Goliath, uh, right? So um, oh, yeah, Goliath <laughs> comes on the scene. And, um, but that's, uh, before that, Israel, Israel asks for a king, and, well, God relents. Um, mm. It's actually... He doesn't relent. It's actually all part of his eternal plan <laughs> that that through uh, David comes Jesus. So it, God uses people's rebellion. God uses people's sin um, to accomplish his purposes. Um, so you might think, why is this going on? In it? What, what do we do with the Old Testament here? What, what's going on in my own life? Mm. You know, well. God, God can be using that, and uh, I don't know how He's going to be using that. And, and perhaps the people were like, "Oh, well, we do have a king, um, except that king, Saul." And and Saul, he thinks he's doing right, but he really doesn't do right. Um, it's kind of that's another. That's why I say First Samuel's funny story. So like, Saul, he doesn't really want to become king, and they're like, where is he? And he's amongst like the he's amongst the garbage bags. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, why are you in the garbage? It's like a comedy. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, we you you've been elected king, Saul. Come out of the garbage, you know. I mean, that's like Monty Python. Um, there. <laughs> yeah, and so he comes out, and, and he's chosen well because he's tall, he's handsome, he's he's uh seems like a good leader uh on the outside uh and so yeah and and so he's 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 called to to defeat god's enemies the the amalekites mm -hmm. the philistines and he he does um and there's one episode i think it's first samuel where he's he's called to defeat um or that's not first samuel 20 i forget where it is but he's called to defeat the amalekites and he's like god says destroy everything uh, everything don't take um you know they're at they're in a war and you, you have to read that in the context of a war where you don't read into oh god is really 
know, mean to these people? Why would he destroy these? Well, they're, they're the enemies of God. They're, they're at war. And so he says, put them, put everything to death. And Saul puts most of the things to death. And then he, 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 uh, all the things that don't matter and, and all the, uh, the treasures, the, the things that are worth something he keeps. Mm, and Samuel's like, why did politics? He, 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 yeah. He's like, why did you do that? And, and Saul's like, Oh, what are you talking about? I defeated them. I did what God told me to do. And Samuel's like, well, why did you take the, uh, the good stuff and leave the bad stuff behind? Uh, Saul really doesn't have an answer. Right. So, um, you know, that, that's really the, the end of Saul's reign, essentially when he doesn't uh he doesn't obey the lord and then and then david comes on the scene david's um first david. 16. yeah so um and david is chosen he he's uh you know a shepherd it doesn't have a whole lot going on with him um as far as uh out, outward appearance and uh and also he's from bethlehem with good which goes all the way back to ruth um, and the famine is over by then. There is there is bread in the house of bread, and and uh, and so David is chosen as king. He's chosen as a 15 year old, and he has to wait uh, 15 more years until he's uh, coronated. Um, and then in between there, well, he, he fights Goliath in in First Samuel 17. So jo- um, David David was yeah. your average whatever guy from what you're saying to in all appearances yeah like he's not the oldest son he's not the tallest he's not the biggest he's not the most influential mm-hmm. um but god says he is a man after my own heart uh, he's he's humble um and uh so jesse you know, yeah yeah so, so samuel goes to jesse who is um david's father and david has uh, Jesse has seven sons, I think, and uh, so he goes down the line, and uh, he says, "Well, what about this one? He's pretty tall. He's pretty good. He's kind of like Saul. He can replace Saul." Um, but then David is chosen um, because, well, he's a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So then you get into um, David and, and Goliath. Where this seems like, you know, the mismatch um, of the Old Testament, but I think we we uh, miss that because um, whenever we talk about that in modern times, we think like a sports matchup, you know, David versus Goliath, and Go- Goliath is the favorite, and so does and similar thing in, in how David was chosen. Yeah. Where actually David is the favorite because, well, God is on David's side. <laughs> and so uh, he defeats a Goliath, not through his own strength, but through the uh, strength of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And there's a little trash talking David David does. Uh, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who comes against the, the living God? Um, and Goliath, by the way, Goliath was a he was a specimen right he was a huge yeah guy ready to go right 
apparently uh, nine feet tall. Yeah. Um, you could. There's other other interpretations that say he's like six foot six. Uh, either way, he's a tall man, a lot taller than than David, a lot stronger. And this is also it's a, it's a battle that goes on for for a number of days where Goliath is like, "Come on, somebody, come take me on." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and David's the only one who steps up. Remember, David, um, he he's just bringing like sandwiches to his brothers. You know, he's just a, a kid. You know, he's not, and he tries to put the armor on. The armor's too heavy, right? Um, so he's like, "Ah, I'm just gonna. I'm, I don't need the armor. I just need my slingshot, my rock." And it just takes one shot takes them out so um but really that's that's a picture of well jesus defeating the goliath of death and 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 satan Mm. um on the cross and uh i mean that's the fruition of of that of that story other than it brings david into prominence right where um Saul has struck down his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. That's a song that the people would sing. Um, so there's a lot of uh, uh, joy and and celebration of of King David. Um, and oh, it's uh, and uh, and he marries Saul's daughter. Um, so he he's got it going on at that point. Um, so. Yeah, he becomes best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan, as well. Okay. So, um, we're still in Samuel, right, during this period? Yeah. So then, yeah, um, the rest of Samuel is basically David's uh, reign um, over over Israel and Judah. Um, actually, he's not anointed king until 2 Samuel. Okay. Also, um, as the Old Testament was first uh, written, Samuel would have been like one book when it be first and second Samuel. But okay. um, I think it's broken. Up. I think it's broken up just for reading purposes because there's 31 chapters in first Samuel. Um, but I'll take a break there just <laughs> for any questions yeah. or um, comments. <clears throat> who? Um... So that you brought us to Second Samuel basically through that period. Um, does the uh, famous David Bathsheba incident happen in these books? Yeah, so that's Second Samuel chapter eleven, I think. Yeah, and give us a so, brief story of that for people that haven't heard the story. Yeah, so David, much like Saul, was in uh, battles against uh, the enemies of God enemies of Israel and uh, the Ammonites are who, who they were fighting at the time. And usually uh, in the springtime, the king and his uh, warriors would go out to, to fight the battles. It was, it was that season of, of, of battle. Mm-hmm. But um, for whatever reason, David, he, he thought, well, I've done enough fighting and I'm just going to take it easy this this year and and uh, sit this one out. And so he was just hanging out at the palace basically by himself. And he sees this uh, young lady outside bathing 
and um it takes her to himself and uh uh he knows he knows that she's um married um eventually she becomes pregnant his uh, her husband uh uriah the hittite he uh he has no idea about anything so david calls him off the battlefield and he goes go spend the night with your wife so he can cover up the pregnancy and uh there's a lot of deviousness in david here um which is a lesson to to us in the sense that david was a believer david was a man after god's own heart here and yet he committed this grievous sin mm-hmm. so uriah goes home and he sleeps outside the house because he thinks oh this is not fair to my to my fellow soldiers that I get to go home and they don't so I'm not going to participate in that so the plan backfires so uh, david comes up with another plan he's like all right he gives gives the orders uh, to uh, joab his uh, his uh, leader of the army and says put uriah on the front line so he'll be killed and he is killed so essentially david also murders uh, along with the adultery and then well the baby um it comes to the time where the baby is born and then the baby eventually dies uh, because of god's judgment upon david for his sin and yet in between the the um judgment of the baby dying um nathan the prophet comes to david and he gives him this parable of uh all these sheep and this man just took the one the one ewe lamb away and uh, um he said he could have had any he could have had any lamb he wanted but he took this one which wasn't his to, to take. And Nathan, or David says to Nathan, well, let's go get this guy. That's, mm-hmm. That sounds pretty bad. And Nathan says, no, you're the man. It's it's you. And you yeah. feel David's heart sinking. And and that's when he, he, he repents. He admits his sin. Uh, he writes Psalm 51, which is the uh, ultimate uh, repentant psalm. Take not your Holy Spirit from me, David says, uh, which means previously, well, he had been saved. Um, which is a warning to us who think, oh, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, and yet uh, sin still remains. There's still temptation there. Uh, mm-hmm. Be careful. Uh, take heed lest you fall. I think mm-hmm. that's the lesson there. Um. Okay, so uh, looking back on that, Joshua took over the um, state of Israel um, because, like you said, um, Moses was not able to because he'd passed away. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you said, I guess judges came in to basically take over the – they were ruling, if you will – um, the um, nation of Israel. Um, yeah. Then we had the story of Ruth during that time period, which you went through, and then Samuel is kind of um, 
where we get the story of uh i'm sorry who'd you say um before david um Oh, Saul, King Saul. It's, mo- <laughs> it's yeah. morning time here. Yeah, Saul, the famous yeah. Saul of the Bible. And then you get into, and then, right. I mean, you got into David um, during that period and his famous story. I think most people, even if you're not, I, think, I imagine a lot of people that aren't even Christians have probably heard some of the David stories. Um, and these stories, sure, I'm sure, yeah. get trans- I'm sure even some, um, even in the um, Islamic religion, they've heard stories of David as well. Um, but, Okay, so that's a pretty good. Um, so okay, so for time's sake here, we're gonna we got second, first Tim. I'm sorry, first Kings and second Kings all the way down to Job or Esther. Maybe we'll stop at Esther. Do you want to save that for another, or do you want to do kind of a? Or is it easy to go through kind of a um, flyby of what those are for about five or ten minutes here? Well, you know, the, just to pick up, um, maybe we'll save that for first and second Kings for next time. But just to pick mm-hmm. up on the rest of the David and Bathsheba story, well, yeah, yeah. David eventually he marries Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. Uh, he the Lord the Lord does forgive David, although there are consequences to his sin. There's infighting all the way down the line for the rest of David's life, and there's just chaos in his house, which you can read really the rest of. Uh, second samuel and into first kings but um out of that marriage comes comes the birth of solomon uh ah. god replaces replaces the baby who died and and gives them a baby solomon who is a pretty prominent figure as well um you know wrote many of the psalms and proverbs and and song of solomon um and is chronicled uh, in First Kings as well. So, um, yeah, and Solomon, for the most part, is a good king uh, until the end of his life, where he's amassed this just great wealth um, and has 700 wives and 300 concubines is that all he had to have and the the joke that even it's not a joke but the joke is like how high was his credit card bill for for all those uh women and children um right yeah so he had to have great wealth in order to uh amass uh the women much less everything else um and he's also appointed to uh, by David to to finish the temple, the temple that's that's built, the fr- the first temple, um, where uh, God tells David, "Build me a build me a house, where I can reside." Um, ah. And Solomon does complete that, but um, you know there's there's ups and downs with Solomon. Um, and, and Solomon, does like, his story yeah. start in in Kings, by the way? Yeah, well, in a sense, it starts in Second Samuel with his with his birth, oh, okay. but then, um, gotcha. um, yeah, essentially in First Kings, okay, is where, gotcha. where Solomon Solomon okay. starts out. Yeah, okay. Just, so, do you want to save uh, the Kings Chronicles Ezra through uh, Job for next time? Um, we can. Yeah, that's a lot there, and in in First Kings. Um, I'll just say this first and second Kings um, and first and second Chronicles is basically the same same story. 
although first and second Kings gives you like more of the inside information and talks about the sins that went on where first and second Chronicles are more um, putting Israel in a good light, mm. okay. uh, so to speak. So it's more of a high <clears throat> note. And also in the original Hebrew Bible, second Chronicles is the last book of the Bible. Oh, interesting. Uh, last book, last uh, book of the um old testament so chronologically uh oh so we're not doing that. Okay. um yeah but it's uh, it's hmm. it's the, the reason why the bible is constructed the way that it is is because is of those categories that we talked about um at the first part of <clears throat> okay podcast so um so okay we'll stop there and then we'll, i'm going to do a little bit of conclusion here then um for, so next time people when you come back We'll hit up. We'll start out with um, First Kings area, and then we'll go down. Maybe if it if we have time, we'll go all the way down the song Song of Songs. Um, but uh, very interesting. So in Jesus's time, if you were to um, take a time travel ship and and grab the first um, Old Testament scripture you could find, would it have included everything that I'm seeing on my page of Old Testament? Yeah, so you would have essentially 39 books there, although they might have not been 39 because like first and second Kings, which would, which would be would be Kings, first and second Samuel would be Samuel right. and the Chronicles. There would be all been um, essentially Hebrew. one book. Mm-hmm. Also something like Ezra and Nehemiah, that's that's uh, one book together um, in the original Hebrew. So, but essentially okay. you have all all the uh, all the same information that we have. Um, and it would also be translated into uh, what we call the Septuagint, which is the Greek um, translation of the Hebrew Bible. Uh, uh, so, so a lot of um, what the first century Jews would be reading would be Greek, just like we read English. Okay. Because it is how they, what they spoke. Do you do you know when the um do you know when that was was that written during that um period between Malachi and the New Testament that that uh, translation of Sizay? Yeah, yeah, so that would have been written um I don't know 100 BC or so um mm-hmm. somewhere along those lines. Yeah. Okay. So okay, lastly then for the um for what we covered today, Joshua through Second Samuel. I'm sure afterwards, did that all have the same authorship or was that different authors that were writing that, those things? Or do we know or do we just speculate? Yeah, off the top of my head, I don't know the the authors of, of those books. Per, perhaps Samuel had, had his own chronicles. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps it was uh, a multitude of writers, um, likely, because it is over a number of years. Um, you know, 100 to 150 years or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, authorship, obviously God, but, you know, people that pinned it down. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, a lot of that would just be um, spoken word that was passed down. And um, likely there was someone appointed to take that information down mm-hmm. and, uh, and put it into a 
into a book. Mm-hmm. So. And I would assume that when you got to the period of Joshua and Judges and Samuel, those people in that time, their scripture, I would assume, would have been, like you said, the oral traditions, or maybe it was written down, things that happened in Genesis, Exodus. Um, yeah, they would have had um, the book of Moses. Uh, it probably would have stopped in numbers about that time because Moses dies in Deuteronomy. So, so likely Joshua takes up that uh that writing the end of deuteronomy and likely joshua mm-hmm. um yeah interesting well i think that my lesson is that the lesson here is that the old testament has a lot of um meaty content and that it takes a while to get through it it's not something like we've i mean what have we done well so far we've done an overview of the entire old testament and new testament and we did an overview of the old testament basically i mean um of the torah and we're just now you know we could have taken four more hours to even go through more detail on this stuff but so i think it's um skimming the surface if you will <laughs> that's why yeah it, it's even more best yeah. if you get down and actually read what we're going through yeah well you know and and people shouldn't dismiss the old testament uh, a lot of the old testament books as i said are, are pretty fun to read um first and second samuel especially and and judges um you know a story that didn't mention like samson um as in in judges so there's a, there's a lot of stories that, that you probably already know or, or you think you know um that you can mm-hmm. go back and read and see what really happened and God, what God really said. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh maybe that's my homework as I try to I've been trying to drudge my way through um numbers in Deuteronomy for a while. I need to get back at it. And I've uh, Well, those are those are pretty tough. The, so the, I can see those as, as drudgery cuz there, there's a lot of laws and and uh, yeah. uh-huh. that, that there um and, and there's good there's good lessons and stories in those, um, but uh, judges first and second Samuel first and second Kings are more like the action the action books if you will. Mm. Yeah. And Joshua and like we said, as well. Okay. Yeah, and like we said from the beginning, that reason part of the reason we're going through this is because it was important to Christ. It was important to Jesus and his disciples, and. So if it was important to them, it needs to be important to us, and we need to under, understand it because, as Christ said during his ministry, it's important for us to understand those things. I mean, oftentimes he would say things to the general public or people that were so-called educated of the time. Have you not heard what was written? <laughs> Did you not read that? Uh, Do you not, that's, you know? that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Absolutely. all right, Joe. Well, uh, unless you've got any other final thoughts on it, I think we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate your time, Gene. Yeah. Um, and uh, I noticed you've got your uh, lion shirt on. So, um, you know, there's a big game this weekend. Joe's a football fan, if y'all didn't know already from previous episodes. he's He'll be rooting against my Falcons this weekend, I guess. But that's okay. That, that's right. Yeah. But uh, somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to win. Uh, hey, I I am a um 
as a Falcons fan, I am a casual fan of the Lions because they're like, you know, brothers from another mother of sorts with their histories. <laughs> we, we both have have our sufferings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a lot, a lot like people in the Bible. <laughs> they suffer through, but eventually they're coming to a, a place of victory, hopefully. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Joe. Well, thanks, everybody. And thanks for joining me, Joe. Thanks. All right. Let me see.